You're listening to the Bonfire Podcast, fanning the flames of the gospel to the ends of the world. Come on, let's dive into the Word. Welcome to the Bonfire Podcast, everyone. We are glad that you're joining us for another episode. If this is your first time listening, we would like to say welcome and come on in. We'd hope that you would stay a while and listen to what we have to say. And if you like what you're hearing here, we'd encourage you to download and subscribe our episodes on a regular basis. We release episodes every Sunday evening um, at 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. And so by subscribing and downloading, you can take those mes- uh, these messages with you, these episodes with you anywhere you go. Uh, you may want to listen in the car as you're driving to work or maybe as you're maybe on the treadmill getting some exercise, different ways that people like to listen, uh, just a great way to take us uh, with you. For those of you who have been listening for quite some time, we again want to say thank you and we appreciate your uh, support of the ministry and continuing to download and to listen in. We appreciate your uh, comments and your kind words um, as we've been in the ministry now just over a year. And so we're going strong and hopefully going to be uh, going for um, years to come. Uh, We'd also like to encourage you, if you have not done so already, to please go over to our Facebook page. And that's an opportunity for you to, to like and follow that page. You'll see our episodes are uh, posted there in video format. Uh, that gives you an opportunity to comment on the episodes. You can also share those with uh, people on your social media page. And then lastly, we do always ask you to please spread the word about the Bonfire Podcast. Tell somebody this week, if you would, about uh, the podcast. And this week will be a great week to share with somebody because we're getting ready uh, in this episode to begin our new series. And so uh, if someone's uh, new to the podcast, this would be a great time time to jump in. They can jump in right as we're starting this series and kind of follow along with us as we uh, as we get into this new study. And so with that, Dad, I am excited for this episode because, as I said, we are kicking off our new study series. And uh, this series is going to be studying through Hebrews chapter 11. Mm-hmm. And uh, we've entitled this uh, series, By Faith. Mm-hmm. And uh, many of you probably already know that Hebrews chapter 11 is oftentimes referred to as the Hall of Faith or Faith's Hall of Fame. And that's because it presents a list of men and women who uh, please God by living by faith. Now, here's the amazing thing, and this is why I love Hebrews chapter 11. Uh, This list of people, uh, they they were pretty much uh, regular people, ordinary people. None of them were perfect. Mm -hmm. Uh, Some of them even stumbled in their faith, uh, but they all got up and they were all greatly used of God. And so we'll see as we study, again, that these were just ordinary people. They had troubles and trials. They had weaknesses and shortcomings, just like you and me. But because of their faith in God and His promises, God used them to do extraordinary things. Mm -hmm. And so through this study, we will discover how we can live a life by faith that pleases God. And as I've already said, Dad, this is one of my favorite chapters. And and, uh, I know you you love uh, Hebrews chapter 11. You preach through it many times. Um, and I'm hopeful by the end of the study, all of our listeners will, will love this chapter as well. It's just a, right. a great chapter of Scripture here that we can go through. Mm-hmm. Well, with that being said, let's uh, we're not going to waste any time. We're going to dive into the content today and, and dive into our study. So if you got your Bible, we'd encourage you to turn over to Hebrews chapter 11. And uh, again, this study is just going to focus on that one chapter here. And we're going to dive in and start looking at these first few verses. For today's episode, we're going to be focused in on verses uh, 1 through 4 and verse 6. Um, And you'll see that as this uh, chapter goes out, uh, it's going to be listing out the names of these, uh, we'll call them characters, but uh, these are people uh, that lived real lives in the Bible, that lived by faith. And so we're going to be diving into their stories and their testimonies and learning, uh, hopefully, from what they learned from uh, how to live a life of faith. And so you you got your Bible again, turn to Hebrews chapter 11. We're going to start here, verse 1, and we'll read that together. 
uh, verses 1 and 2. It says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. For by it the elders obtained a good testimony. And so, you know, right here in this uh, section of verses, the Bible doesn't really give a definition for for faith, Dad, but um, it does give here in, in Hebrews one one what would be called a description of faith, right. a faith that pleases God. And in that description, you'll see that there are two key words that I want to draw your attention to uh, there in verse one. You'll see substance. Uh, so it says the substance of things hoped for. And then the second key word there is evidence. Now, the word translated um, substance is the Greek word hypostasis, which can also be translated confidence. And so faith is what gives us confidence in what we hope for as Christians. Uh, the word translated evidence uh, can also be translated as conviction. So faith is the conviction based on past experience that God will do what he promises that he will do both in the present and in the future. So faith, call, faith causes us to believe God will do what he says even when the circumstances seem impossible. Dad, I like the way that Warren Wearsby, he sums up this description of faith. He says that true Bible faith is not blind optimism or manufactured hope-so-filling. Neither is it an intellectual assent to a doctrine. It is certainly not believing in spite of evidence. That would be superstition. True Bible faith is confident obedience of God's Word in spite of the circumstances and the consequences. That's right. I I read a quote from A.W. Tozer, a preacher from days gone by. He said, true faith rests upon the character of God and asks no further proof than the moral perfections of the one who cannot lie. Now, when I think about someone that exhibits faith, someone that Jesus set forth as an example of faith, I think of a person that was not even a Jew and not a Christian at the time, obviously. It was a centurion that came to Jesus, and he had a problem. He had a servant of his that was paralyzed and dreadfully tormented. It's told about in Matthew chapter 8, verses 5 through 13. Now, according to these verses of Scripture, this centurion, this Roman soldier came to Jesus, and he asked Jesus concerning his servant that was paralyzed and suffering. He said, um, he let him know, I know you can heal him. And Jesus said, I will come and heal this man. And the centurion, according to verse 8, uh, said, Lord, I'm not worthy that you should come under my roof, but only speak a word and my servant will be healed. For I'm a man under authority, having soldiers under me. And I say to this one, go, and he goes. And to another, come, and he comes. And to my servant, do this, and he does it. When Jesus heard it, he marveled, verse 10 said, and he said to those who followed him, he said, Assuredly, I say to you, I have not found such great faith, not even in Israel. Now, this is amazing. This was a man that was from all you know, that we are told about in Scripture. We have no reason to believe that he was a Jewish convert or a Jew, but he had heard of Jesus and his great miracles and his power to heal, and he had faith in Jesus and faith in what Jesus could do. And that's why he came to Jesus and said, hey, you don't even have to come to my house. I know that you can heal heal my servant. In other words, right where you are, do you just speak the word and he'll be healed. And uh, Jesus said to the centurion in verse 13, go your way and you'll have what you believe. So let it be done for you 
and his servant was healed in the same hour. Now, folks, that is real faith right there, what the centurion exhibited. And Jesus set forth him as an example. Now, you know, Matt, we're going to be talking about examples of Jewish people in the Old Testament that exhibited faith. Well, here's someone that was not even a Jew that we know of, just a Roman soldier, an officer that exhibited faith. So, folks, I want you to know you're out there. You might not be a Christian today, but that's that's all right. You can become a Christian. Uh, just have faith. That's how it all starts. That's right. That's how it all starts in having faith. And faith, as you pointed out, uh, that word substance, it means most solid conviction. The, God, uh, the God-given present assurance of a future reality. And notice it is God-given. God uh, gives you that assurance that uh, that you can trust his word and believe in him, and you just count it to be. It's going to happen. It's not a hope-so uh, kind of thing. It's a thing that you really have confidence in. That's right. And, Dad, you said a couple of things there that I want to touch on. One, the example that you, you gave there from Matthew, I love that story. And and just think about how much faith that, that gentleman had. Is he, He's like, no, you don't even need to come to where this person is. Just speak, and it'll be taken care of. I mean, right. I, when I read that, I think, wow, would I have had that much faith? That's that's hard to believe that someone it, from his time he he doesn't even know much about uh, probably the scripture because we think he was probably a Roman descent and he wasn't a Jew and so but he displayed so much faith so that's that's just a, a great thing and I think our listeners as we go through this as we tell these testimonies. Uh, my mind always comes back to, man, I wish I had faith like that. And hopefully as we study and learn that we'll build our faith and we'll be able to be like the gentleman there in Matthew and, and these other examples that we're going to see here. The other thing that you said that I that I like to key on is um, you said that God gives us faith. And, and that's, that is, a, I think, something that we need to to talk about and hold on to is, is many people think, well, I don't even know. I don't know how I can start believing, but if you uh, begin to seek toward the things of God, God will actually give you faith. And then you, this faith will come in, and then he'll show himself and reveal himself in certain ways, and then it begins to just build little by little, and you'll put in layers and layers and layers above layers. And, and before long, that's how you build your faith, is, is through those experiences of the past where God has shown up and, and he's, he's, he's revealed himself to you. And before you know it, then you've got this rock-solid faith. And, um, and, and so just think it right now, if you're saying, well, I don't have any faith, well, seek God and he will give you faith. He will give you the starting faith that you need, uh, to, to, in order to get to a, a life that you can live by faith. That's right. And you know, faith, the Bible says comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Yep. God is the one that gave us his word. Yep. When we read his word, it enables us to have faith. You know, it's just something that happens that God enables us to believe what he said. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word. And, uh, you know, I, I'm glad that I'm a preacher because, you know, how can people have faith unless someone tells the word? And I get to tell people, share the word of God with folks. Exactly, exactly. Now, I want you to notice uh, verse 2 there. Uh, so verse 2, it says, For by it, referring to faith, the elders obtained a good testimony. And so we have faithful men and women of the Old Testament, many of whom we're going to study in this series. They received a good testimony through their bold acts of trust in the Lord. And it's as we study these testimonies, uh, we will see that only by faith can a person actually please God. That's exactly right. That's right. And the elders uh, that I think that uh, 
the author of Hebrews had in mind. I mean, he he spells out for us. Uh, some yeah. said there was a list of about seventeen, you know, but uh, men and women, men and women, had faith that yeah. were exemplary in faith. And you know, I, my name's not going to be written about in the Bible, but uh, I want to be an example of faith, and I think all of us should want to be. That's right. Well, we've looked at uh, the description of faith, but let's now look at uh, the discernment of faith. Let's look at verse 3. Verse 3 says, by faith, look at that, by faith, that's our title of our, our series here, we understand that the worlds were framed by the Word of God, so that the things that which are seen were not made by things which are visible. Now, in this verse, we see that by faith, we can understand and discern truth. The writer of Hebrews gives us an excellent example of this when he speaks of the origin of creation. If for it is by faith that we have confidence and conviction, using two key words that we talked about from verse 1, that the universe and the beauty of everything that we see around us was indeed created by the spoken word of our invisible God. And without faith in God and his promises, it would be very hard to believe such a statement. And that's why so many around us discount the account of creation found in the Bible. And so, Dad, as I was reading that statement, I, I, I had to think about our Sunday night series that you've been teaching. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you've been doing a Bible study where we're going through, um, written by Ken Hams. He's a great Christian um, a creationist. Uh, he's the gentleman who runs the Ark Encounter and also the Creation Museum there in Kentucky. And uh, what we've been talking about is uh, is about the foundation of our faith really is rooted in the story or the account of creation and how God created uh, everything that we see around us, including us. And he did it through his spoken word. Right. And it's, it's our faith that allows us to take the word of God and what's written there in Genesis as face value, that God created the earth in six days, and he did it through his spoken words. He didn't need millions and billions of years. He didn't need um, evolutionary processes in order to bring about what we see here today. He did it through his spoken word, and it's our faith that we have in him and his promises that allows that truth to be discerned in our hearts. That's right. The Hebrew word translated created in Genesis 1, when God created the, the heavens and the earth, it means to create out of nothing. God is the only creator because only he can speak into being something that's, that does not already exist. I want you to listen to uh, Psalm 33, verses 6 and 9. Uh, the scriptures say, By the word of the Lord the heavens were made, and all the host of them by the breath of his mouth. Verse 9, For he spoke, and it was done. He commanded and it stood fast. Now, as Christians, we should never be intimidated because we have faith in the creator of the universe. For whatever a person believes about the origin of the universe, hey, he has to believe by faith. It is not a matter of faith versus knowledge. There were no human witnesses at the time of creation. People may believe it happened this way or, or that way and have have some evidence they might think for their theory, but it is still a faith explanation. An article was in the Scientific American, and here's the title of the article, Pissed, Don't Tell the Creationist, But Scientists Don't Have a Clue How Life Began. (laughs) That is so true, because nobody that is on earth today was present when 
the world was created. There was only one that was present when the world was created, and that was the God who created it. Given that we weren't present, he is the one that tells us how it came about, and he created the world out of nothing. Now, it all comes down to believing, folks, in one of two equations. Nothing times nothing equals everything, or God times nothing equals everything. Now, which explanation requires more faith? I personally do not have enough faith to believe it all happened by chance, folks. I don't have faith like that to believe it just happened by chance. Look at the last part of verse 3. So that the things which were seen were not made of things which are visible. What, what is incredible is that this statement was written almost 2,000 years ago. Paul wrote this almost 2,000 years ago. And we uh, know now that the smallest part of any element is the atom. And atoms combine to form molecules, which form different elements or compounds. Atoms are so small that they cannot be seen with the naked eye. Folks, wake up. 2,000 years ago, a man that did not have what you would call science today, God inspired him to see that the world was made out of things that you cannot see. Now, folks, you would think that uh, 2,000 years ago, if it, apart from the Spirit of God revealing it to him, everything they made, they made from things that already existed, things they could see. God had to reveal it to him that things were made, all things were made by things we can't see. That's exactly right. You know, and I would encourage um, our listeners uh, to, to check out uh, Ken Ham's ministry. I think it's Answers in Genesis mm-hmm. is his ministry. There's a lot of great information there about creation. And and as, as you were talking there, Dad, I was just kind of thinking about the last couple segments that he, he's done in that series on Sunday nights. And um, what, what I find interesting is Ken can present just overwhelming facts that are uh, that are scientifically based and, and just a great argument. But as I sat there and listened to it many times, I, I just think to myself, this is all great and good, but I don't need it. Um, and, and the reason why I don't need it is because I have so much faith in God and how big God is that I don't need all of these uh, scientific points and all of these facts in order to, to justify uh, Genesis. I believe it because I have faith in God and I have faith in, in that my God can do anything and that creating the world is was one of the easiest things that he could do because he's so big and he's so powerful. Um, but it is good to have these facts because it does help in what we refer to as apologetics and being able to, to speak to someone that maybe doesn't share the same belief that we do and doesn't have the faith that we have. You can cite some of these scientific arguments to try and uh, hopefully open their eyes uh, to uh, what the Bible says is true about how the, the world was created. That's right. You know, there, there are people today that, you know, they they would rather to believe that, that uh, there was something that always existed, that there had to be two atoms that collided, you know. Uh, listen, uh, look around and see uh, the design the design of your body, the design of the earth, the and how the order of the earth, how everything works and functions together in harmony, the design of the universe. Uh, a look at our solar system, how the planets revolve around the sun, how everything is set in motion, uh, just like a clock is set. Folks, if there is a clock, 
there's a clock maker. If there is a world, there has to be someone that has made the world. And it takes far more faith to believe that this was just some kind of cosmic accident than to believe that there is a God. Now, how do you know that there is a, a, a painter? The painting. How do you know there's a, a builder? The building. And so it just, it, it, baffles me how people can say they don't believe in God, they don't have faith in God. The easiest thing in the world is to believe in God, is believe in God. As a matter of fact, when man was created, man started out with faith in God, believed in God. Man had to degenerate and become immoral and degenerate to get to the point that he didn't believe in a God. That's exactly right. So we see from verse 3 here that by faith we can trust God's Word and through that trust, we can also discern truth. And so we see that our faith uh, yields discernment. And so I also want us to look over now, we're going to skip a, a verse or two and go over to verse six. And let's look at verse uh, six here and read that together. It says, but without faith, it is impossible to please him, that being God, that's him capitalized, for he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Now, we've looked at the description of faith, and we've looked at the discernment of faith, but now I want us to look at our dependency on faith. And in verse 6 here, we have the inspired writer of Hebrews who gives us an unmistakable truth. He says, without faith, it is impossible to please God. Faith in God and His promises is the very foundation on which our relationship with God is based. Without faith, we are left with just simple unbelief. True faith is not just a passive belief that He exists. It is also actively seeking Him and His will, and it looks to the future and boldly believes that God will reward His faithful people. Now, you may be asking, well, how does God reward those who come to Him by faith? Well, on this podcast, we've used this verse many times, Ephesians uh, 2, verse 8. It says, um, by grace we are saved through faith, not of ourselves, but it is a gift of God. And so we see that those who seek God earnestly with faith are rewarded with salvation. And then we also use the probably the most known verse in all the Bible, John three sixteen, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes, that means having faith, uh, shall have eternal life. We're rewarded with eternal life. And so this verse here that we see, it connects um, faith to obedience, right? So we have believing, but within it, we also have following through with what God has said to do and His commands and seeking His will and following after His plan. And that's what we see is our dependency on faith. And, you know, it connects faith to obedience and also faith to a person. You see, a faith that pleases God does not simply believe in God or that he created the universe. You know, James 2.19 says, Thou sayest that there's one God. Thou doest well. The devils also believe. Yep. They have faith. Yep. They believe and tremble. They know him. Yep. But they don't have a faith that pleases God. And this is Correct. what we're talking about, a faith that pleases God. The Greek word faith means a firm uh, persuasion or conviction. You know, I I believe that there was a person named Adolf Hitler but that doesn't make me a Nazi. No, I'd have to commit my life to following Adolf Hitler, you know, to be a Nazi. Well, the same thing is true of God. The Bible says in the last part of verse 6, talking about faith, for he who comes to God must believe that he is 
and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. And that goes back to obedience, what you're talking about. It's not enough to believe in his existence. The person who comes to God must believe that he is a rewarder of the person of the people that seek him, that that give their lives to him. We must believe that he will reward our faith if we seek him. We demonstrate uh, faith by trusting in Jesus Christ and following him. So folks out there listening in the podcast audience, yeah, you can believe that there's a God that created everything, and, and, and that takes faith. But, you know, to be a Christian, to be someone that pleases God, your faith has to be more refined. You have to believe that Jesus Christ is God's Son, and you must seek Him. Mm, that's exactly right. And so uh, we see that it is impossible to please God without faith. And as you said, Dad, it's not just that head knowledge. It's it's more than that. The true faith is believing um, and also seeking after after God and the things of God uh, and His will for your life. So now that we've looked at an overview of faith, I want us to now look at the application of faith, and we're going to do that through looking at the first testimony uh, from the Hall of Faith, and that's going to be Abel. And so let's look at verse 4 here. It says, By faith, look at that, by faith again, by faith Abel offered to God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain through which he obtained witness that he was righteous, God testifying of his gift, and through it he, being dead, still speaks. So, Dad, we see here in this verse that there's a reference to um, the sons of Adam and Eve. And the sons of Adam and Eve, they brought forth sacrifices, both of them did to the Lord. Uh, but in Hebrews um, chapter 11, verse 4, it says that Abel's was more excellent. So naturally, the question arises, why was Abel's sacrifice more excellent? And to get a better view of that, uh, let's go back and look at the account of Cain and Abel in Genesis. Dad, do you mind uh, flipping over to Genesis chapter 4? And reading verse, uh, let's look at verse 1 through 7 there. Can you read that for us? Now Adam knew Eve his wife, and she conceived and bore Cain and said, I have acquired a man from the Lord. Then she bore again, this time his brother Abel. Now Abel was a keeper of sheep, but Cain was a tiller of the ground. And in the process of time, it came to pass that Cain brought an offering of the fruit of the ground to the Lord. Abel also brought of the firstborn of his flock and of their fat. And the Lord respected Abel and his offering, but he did not respect Cain and his offering. And Cain was very angry, and his countenance failed. So the Lord said to Cain, Why are you angry? And why is your countenance fallen? If you do well, will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, sin lies at the door, and its desire is for you, but you should rule over it. All right, so we see here the story of, of Cain and Abel. And uh, as you listen to this, uh, as you read, Dad, it may be easy for, for people to think, well, this just doesn't seem fair. Uh, both of these uh, men, you know, they were uh, working and providing um, for, obviously, their families, and they brought an offering of what they do um, to the Lord. And why would God, you know, view one as being better than the other? And I think there's an important point that we need to make here. I think there's two important points that we can draw uh, from this account. And the first thing that we're going to look at is that God requires the right sacrifice. So as we look here at this account, we see that Abel, 
he brought the first and the best of what he had. Notice the words that were used there to describe his sacrifice. It said he brought the firstborn of his flock and of their fat. That means that he brought the best thing that he possibly had. In contrast, farmer Cain, uh, sacrifice was merely a token. Now you may think to yourself, well, wait a minute. You know, Cain had to to labor hard, and he had to grow this uh, this fruit and this these things that he brought, and he put a lot of effort into it. But what's deeper still, and, and the difference here, and the main reason that Abel's sacrifice was accepted, is because it involved blood, and it testified to the death of a substitute. And so Cain and Abel, no doubt, Dad, they they understood the appropriate way to sacrifice. If you go back and look at the the preceding chapters there, everyone knows the story of the fall, Adam and Eve. And what happens after the fall? Um, they both realize that they are, are naked, and uh, God slains animals and then covers them with the skins of those animals. So there was blood that was shed after those sins. And so Adam and Eve had had surely explained to Cain and Abel uh, the appropriate way to present a sacrifice. But you see, only Abel was the one who acted upon it and brought the appropriate sacrifice. And yeah, You know, I want to jump in right here, Matt, because this is just something that just, just like lightning hit my mind. You mentioned the word firstborn a while ago, and we're, we're associating Abel with faith. He's the first person we're talking about in regard to faith. Yep. Now, there's a lot of reasons for why his his offering was accepted. You know, it was a blood offering, and, you know, we're going to go into that, I know, in a minute. Yeah. But I want to point out something to you about faith and his offering. When you offer up, and you're, you're a herdsman or, or you are raising cattle, you know, and you're offering up your firstborn, think about it. Uh, how do you know that you're going to have any more? Mm. Calamity could happen. Sure, uh, your your uh, sheep could die. You know, some disease could hit them. They could all die. How do you know you're going to have any more? That's exactly. It right. takes faith to offer up the 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 first one, because you're not given the assurance that you're going to have any more. It takes faith to offer up that first one. Faith in God that if you give that that to God, that God will will continue to bless you continually. Uh, think about the faith that he had. That's right. To offer up the first lamb. The first lamb. Obviously, as you said, you don't know if there's going to be more. But if there had been more, it would have been the oldest and the one that was able to produce more. Uh, been the first one to be able to reproduce in and of itself. And so um, by giving of the firstborn, that was a major sacrifice uh, right. to, to give that firstborn. And, and yeah, you're you're exactly right. That's a great point. Um, and then as we go back and we talk about the fact that it was a blood sacrifice and, and it was that firstborn, I think about that, that first, that word firstborn gets used in the New Testament and Jesus is referred to as the firstborn of all creation. And many times uh, people get that verse twisted around and they say, well, see, there's proof that, you know, God created Jesus. Well, no, God and Jesus were always uh, together or were both eternal beings. Uh, but that term firstborn uh, means the most prized. Uh, that's what that, that term means is a is a designation of, that gets uh, bestowed on someone as being the best and that's what that word here is saying the firstborn is the best thing that he had um, and it was the most important thing that he had at that time and that's what he gave as a sacrifice and I love the foreshadowing there uh, obviously that the blood all through the Old Testament has significance right because it's all pointing to ultimately the blood that was going to be shed on Calvary mm-hmm. and and so he's bringing forth an animal sacrifice he's slain an animal 
animal. And yes, his sacrifice was probably ugly and nasty and bloody, but that's what was required of God. And that's what he knew he was supposed to offer. And so he followed through on God's demands and he brought an animal sacrifice. Hey, going back to how he knew that that was what God required goes all the way back to the Garden of Eden after Adam and Eve sinned. You know, the they were cloaked with the glory of God and they realized they were naked because they fell short of the glory of God when they sinned. And so uh, quickly they they decided to cover their nakedness and they sewed together fig leaves and made for themselves clothes. And when God came in the Garden of Eden and, you know, he confronted Adam about his sin, the Bible tells us that uh, God provided Adam and Eve who were covered with leaves. He provided them uh, clothes made from uh, an animal, animal, the skins of an animal. So an an animal forfeited its life. It brought death. There had been no death in the Garden of Eden until Adam and Eve sinned. Certainly. And, and, and God was the one that brought about the death of an animal to cover man. And so, you know, it took a, the shedding of blood, and that was the picture that God was, was presenting to approach me, to come before me, not in your nakedness, but to come before me. You have to approach me as a result of the shedding of blood. Right. Yep. And, of course, we know all of that from the time of uh, Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden. It pointed to the the Lamb of God, the Lord Jesus Christ, who would shed his blood as our substitute to pay the penalty for our sins. So, so Cain and Abel, having the same parents, they knew that the way to approach God was by the shedding of blood. And like I said, it was uh, God requires the best. The firstborn is the best. It requires more faith to bring the firstborn. And uh, so they knew. And so uh, Cain was wrong in his offering because he tried to circumvent what God wanted. Yeah. And if you're going to approach God, you have to approach God in in, uh, in his terms. And some people today, they they uh, they say, I want to believe in God, and I'm going to go to heaven, and I'm going to go to heaven my own way. Yep. No, no. The only way you're going to go to heaven is by the terms that God has set forth. And as through the, the sacrifice, that bloody sacrifice of his only begotten son, Jesus, who paid the penalty for your sins as your substitute. That's right. And I think we can read into this more. You know, we have the blood sacrifice provided by uh, Abel, and then we have Cain again bringing forth fruits and vegetables, the the, the fruit of the earth that he had he worked to cultivate. Um, and the, the picture that you get there is the picture of salvation, the salvation through the blood of Jesus, and then a works-based system, right? Um, and, and so that those fruits and those vegetables represent, you could see it, being works. A lot of people want to take their good works to, to God and say, look at all of this good stuff right. that I've done. Look at all this work that I put in, and I did it all for you. And God says, you know what? That's not good enough. It requires the shedding of blood. Uh, my, my son's blood on the cross is what gets you through uh, the door. And so um, it's amazing to me, Dad, that all the way here in the first couple pages of, of, of this book um, that we already see God weaving into into the history, his plan for redemption. It's amazing. And you just to see it is consistent all throughout these books. Genesis all the way through the end of the Old Testament, pointing to Jesus, pointing to the cross. And then we get to the Gospels, and Jesus is here, the cross is there, and then now the message in the New Testament is he's coming back. That's right. You know, Matt, I read something that was pretty interesting I'd never thought about before, and uh, this is speculation, but I believe I believe there's uh, it, it could possibly be true. It is likely that Abel and Cain approached God when they came to bring their sacrifice. They approached God at the gate 
of paradise mm. where the uh, cherubim were, those angels, you know, that were uh, yep. stationed there to guard, guard the entrance into paradise, you know. And they knew that when coming to God, they had to bring an offering for one does not barge into God's presence. Well, I mean, this happened, you know, just right after Adam and Eve, you know, put out of the Garden of Eden, had these sons, and, and man is is uh, trying to approach God and, and, you know, that comes before the cherubim. Think about in the Old Testament, the picture of the, in the temple, there was a room called the Holy of Holies, mm-hmm. and it had the Ark of the Covenant, and on top of that Ark was, was two golden cherubim, and the high priest would approach God on behalf of the people. He would bring an offering, and the offering was blood, and he'd sprinkle that blood on the mercy seat. And so what God wanted man to do from the beginning, you know, was pictured even later on in the Old Testament times in the worship of the temple, and of course, all of that blood, you know, all that as we talk about pictured uh, the Lord Jesus Christ who laid his life down at Passover time as the Passover lamb for us. Mm. Yeah, that's, that's so good. And what's again, what's crazy is is here we have Genesis. Genesis obviously written thousands of years before Jesus is even on the scene. And you talked about all those, uh, like the Levitical process that's presented in the Old Testament, again, hundreds and thousands of years before Jesus comes on the scene. And it's just so consistent all the way through, um, pointing to, to ultimately the sacrifice that Jesus was going to make as, as the true uh, Lamb of God. Now, if you're listening to us and you're saying, you know what, I, I still don't understand this. You know, Cain, uh, he did his best. He tried his best. And, uh, you know, we <laughs> here in this uh, millennial generation, people... Uh, feel that everybody deserves a trophy for just doing their best, Dad. But there's another issue that we see with Cain, and and the second is um, God requires the right spirit in order uh, to accept our, our worship. And, and we're going to see that, that Cain's spirit was not correct. Let's look at verses 5 through 7 once more. It says, But he did not respect Cain and his offering. And Cain was very angry, and his countenance fell. So the Lord said to Cain, Why are you angry? And why has your countenance fallen? If you do well, you will, will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, sins lie at the door, and its desire is for you, but you should rule over it. So we see in these verses here, Cain's response to God hints at why God did not accept or respect Cain's offering. He, his spirit was wrong. Uh, look at it. He becomes angry, it says. Uh, and those who become angry when someone in authority legitimately corrects them, it reveals that their heart's in the wrong place. they got a selfish heart. And that's what we see here with, with Cain is that his heart, when he gave this sacrifice, his heart wasn't in, in the right place. He was already doing it almost begrudgingly, mm-hmm. and the fact that he got mad so quickly at God. And look at what happened. God even gave him an opportunity to re- correct it. He, he says, God asked him, he asked him the question, he says, why are you so angry? Why is your countenance falling? Do you not understand that if you you do well, you'll be accepted, and if you're, you're not, you, you will not? And, and so uh, even with this kind of opportunity to correct it, we see that Cain ignored God's invitation to make the right choice, and so he had the wrong spirit about him. Dad, as I was reading and studying, one of the, the things that I, I read uh, from one of the commentators was about when you see God asking questions. And I, I should know this, but it just I never really seen it put in, in paper. And he says, whenever you see God asking questions in the Bible, 
God already knows the answer, right? right. He's, he's not a- asking the question to get the answer. He's asking the question to probe the person he's asking the question to. And so uh, God knew his heart and knew where Cain stood and, and the fact that his spirit and his heart was not in the right place when he brought these sacrifices to him. And that is the, the other reason why his uh, sacrifice was rejected. It was not of the appropriate uh, way to sacrifice. It wasn't the right sacrifice, and it wasn't given with the right intent, spirit, or heart. You know, if Cain really wanted to please God after God had uh, spoken to him about how uh, inappropriate his offering was, he should have humbled himself, left, and returned with a proper sacrifice. Cain and his pride refused to bring the required sacrifice. And this is the same spirit that prevents people uh, turning from their sins, prevents them from turning from their sins and trusting in Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. Like Cain, they're so full of pride. They want to establish a relationship with God on their own terms. But you can't do that. You have to come to God, as we said a few moments ago, uh, on his terms. And Cain was unwilling to approach God on God's terms. It had to be on his own terms. Cain didn't have the right spirit or attitude when it came to approaching God in worship. That's exactly right. Exactly right. So, Dad, as we uh, begin to wrap up this episode, as we look here at the testimony, the first testimony that we're looking at, um, the testimony provided by Abel, we see that by faith, uh, Abel uh, lived, and ultimately he was accounted for righteousness. Um, and you, you, you may be thinking that maybe Ain, uh, Abel is a, a weird or, or an odd person to put into the hall of faith because we really don't know much about him, right? I mean, there's only just these few verses here where it talks about him, and then ultimately he, he gets killed by his brother. And then you really don't see much more um, about Abel anywhere else in the Bible. But if you look at this and what we talked through today about how uh, it, it, we're here early on, and, and this is just after uh, the fall happened in the Garden of Eden, and uh, it, it is a time where um, uh, having faith, the ty- type of faith that Abel had, he displayed a lot of faith to be able to bring his firstborn of, of his animal and to sacrifice it before God. And uh, it was through that faith and that led to his obedience to God, and then ultimately uh, that led to him being rewarded, and that's where it says that he he has righteousness uh, through the faith that he showed. Hey, I want to jump right in here, Matt, and say before we end, uh, to point out the end of verse 4, talking about Abel, it says, he being dead still speaks. Abel still speaks, telling us the only way to worship God is with the right sacrifice, that blood of Jesus Christ, and the right spirit, a humble and submissive heart. Oh, that's awesome. That's awesome. We hope you really enjoyed this first episode in our series of By Faith, and we'll be continuing on for the next several weeks and looking at um, the testimonies by these uh, elders, as it says here in uh, in Hebrews chapter 11, and looking at their life by faith. And again, the hope is that as we study together and we look at these accounts of these lives, uh, that we will be encouraged and we will be built up and we will live our la- our lives too uh, by faith. So that's that's the goal. So please tell someone about the this study and uh, let's get other people listening in and studying along with us. I think it'll be a great study that you will all enjoy. Dad, if you will, pray us out of here. Sure. Our Heavenly Father, we want to let you know we love you. We're glad, Lord, you love us. And our Heavenly Father, we thank you that you gave us faith. You're the author and the finisher of our faith. Lord, when we read your word, uh, our, our faith gets stronger and stronger. 
And Lord, when we come through experiences in life and when we've trusted you and you've, you've helped us, Lord, uh, we have even greater faith in you and your power. Father in heaven, I pray, Lord, for people today that struggle with faith. Help them to realize we all have faith. We have faith in something. And Lord, uh, we should have faith in the one who created all things, spoke the world into existence, created it out of nothing. And our Father in heaven, thank you that we can have faith in you and your only begotten son, Jesus, and his sacrifice as the only way to get to heaven. We That's the only way we're going to approach you, God, is through the sacrifice of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, that Abel's sacrifice pointed to. And Father, for those that haven't put their faith in Jesus yet, we pray that they would turn from their sins and surrender their lives and put their faith in Jesus Christ to forgive them based on his death on the cross, his burial, and his resurrection. God, we love you. We ask all these things in Jesus' name today. Amen. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Bonefire Podcast. We encourage you to subscribe wherever you stream your podcast content. Also, be sure to rate us on iTunes and Facebook so that others will know about the podcast. If you have a question that you'd like to see us address on an episode, feel free to email us at bonefireministries at gmail.com.